I'm Brianna. I'm Sarah. And we are the The Squad Squad Ghouls. Just a couple of creepy gals that love creepy things. And weekends. Yay! It's the weekend. (laughs) Always the favorite time. Always. Friday is forever the favorite day. It's when the wine opens. Sure is. (laughs) Or champagne, whatever. Whatever it is that you like. Or, or, or whiskey. Or yeah. <laughs> Some type of alcoholic drink. Yes. <laughs> is getting opened on Friday. Pro tip, don't add a sugary mixer. Oh, yeah. It hurts less the, le- the next day. Definitely. Yes. <laughs> I have a joke for you. Okay. Where did the ghost go on holiday? I don't know where. The Bahamas. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's great. <laughs> that sounds fun. Right? Okay. <laughs> well, I have a joke for you. Okay. Okay. What do female ghosts use to do their makeup? I don't know. Vanishing cream. <laughs> that's cute. <laughs> they just get better and better. Yeah. <laughs> or worse and worse. Or, or, or worse and worse, however you want to look at or it. Or maybe they stay the same. Yeah. <laughs> Well, shall we get into our ghouls news? Sure. Ghouls news. Ghouls news. All right. So just a reminder for those of you who don't know, uh, we are Kitty FX Shop brand ambassadors. And they have the cutest stuff over there. (laughs) Summerween dropping soon. I I can't wait. Uh, I think it's just June 9th. Uh, or or no or is it out hold on it's coming up very very soon i think the last time i posted it was like six days (laughs) i know it's next week (laughs) t-minus four days one day ago there we go monday yeah monday monday Monday. 5 31 monday 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 (laughs) boom (laughs) so please go visit kitty effects on Instagram, you can also visit uh, kittyfxshop.com. And we also have a link uh, to a the link. shop <laughs> on our website. And when you click it, it will add in our code SQUADGULS and you will receive 15% off on your purchase. Yes, you will. So please check them out. <laughs> Buy some of the cute slasher stuff. Yes. It's so freaking cute. I can't wait. I know. A lot of cool things. <laughs> yes. And we also wanted to give a shout out to one of our ghoul friends and listeners, Crystal. Hi, Crystal. Uh, So Crystal sent us the most delightful note via our contact form on our website, www.thesquadghouls.com. Subtle plug. (laughs) Um, So she wrote, uh, can I just say that you helped calm my nerves for my second round of COVID shot? I was supposed to be asleep so I could get up early, but instead I listened to your back catalog episodes on Spotify until 7 a.m. So I was actually wondering who this was because when you look at your stats on your podcast hosting platform, Mm -hmm. there was like a huge spike in one day where somebody listened to like 50 episodes in one day. Oh, And I was like, well, that's odd. Um, I mean, great, but it was like, that's never happened before. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, at least not for a new, like, it, the days that we launch new episodes, usually for that first day and then a couple days after we see some big spikes. But this was on, like, a Wednesday. So I was wondering who it was. So, Crystal, thank you for uh, solving the mystery. Yes. And also, congrats, Crystal, on getting your new place Woo-woo. and moving on out. Yay. It's freaking hard, man. It's hard, yes. it's hard to move out and <laughs> don't I know it <laughs> yeah and buying your own place and yeah and it's freaking scary too it really is <laughs> yes but congrats we yes. we want to celebrate you this Friday thanks for your lovely note and also thanks for uh well congratulations on your new place yes that's exciting have fun decorating yeah <laughs> all the, the spooky stuff yes <laughs> Well, we want to continue and uh, share some great indie horror films to watch. Uh, So the first one, I actually um, went back to it because I started to watch it, but I didn't ever finish it. And it's Hush. The Mike Flanagan movie? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) And I was like, I don't know why I hadn't seen this yet, especially being Mike Flanagan. (laughs) And Mrs. Mike Flanagan stars in it. Yeah. And 
it was it was really good <laughs> oh yeah it's awesome yeah it's on netflix um it came out in 2016 uh for those who didn't see it but um it's really really great so uh it stars uh kate siegel and the movie takes over like one night and uh when a deaf woman has to uh evade dying at the hands of a killer who's stalking her around her house and trying to break in so all the spooky stuff mm-hmm. enjoy it uh, well, the one that I picked is part of the After Hours, After Dark horror series. So oh. in the 2000s, there was a little, you know, eight films to watch After Dark film festival type oh, deal. right, right. Um, and this one was, I think, from 2006 or 2007. It was from 2006. It was from the very first one. Um, and it's called The Grave Dancers. Uh, it is super freaky. So there's a group of friends, there's three of them, that go to a wake for a friend of theirs that passed away. And there's this mysterious red note that's on his grave, um, that or on a grave. And it talks about, you know, dancing on people's graves and blah, blah, blah. So anyway, they get drunk and the three of them dance on three different graves. But what happens when you do that? You summon the spirits of the graves that you danced on and some of them are Perfect. not that nice of course so yeah it was really not. really creative idea for a movie and really creepy so uh i highly recommend it definitely check it out it's called the grave dancers nice uh, yeah I'll watch that <laughs> well shall we get into booze news yes okay. booze news booze news all right so last year I think we talked about the next Evil Dead movie that's coming. It's called Evil Dead Rise. Yes. And the movie is going to be headed straight to HBO Max. All right. HBO Max getting busy. I know, but I'm kind of sad. I wish that it would go to theaters. Yeah. And now that, you know, theaters are open. I know. (laughs) Um, So this one's produced by Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell. Uh, It's set up at New Line Cinema. And in the director's chair this time is Lee Cronin. Um, So the next chapter of the saga builds off of the original original trilogy rather than the 2013 reboot the 2013 reboot was okay yeah it wasn't my favorite yeah sorry <laughs> yeah it was it more like tried to be serious but the, the thing that the magic of the first two evil dead movies and then army of darkness is that they weren't serious they were just mega campy i mean ash cuts off his arm and puts a chainsaw on it like <laughs> come on <laughs> so I, the 2013 reboot was trying to be... I, and I have respect for the fact that they tried to make it spooky, but yeah, um, yeah I, I love the original camp of the first three. So I'm excited to hear that. Um, and then Evil Dead Rives moves in moves the action out of the woods and into the city. Mwahaha. Oh, there um, we go. So this, uh, this film is actually going to center on two estranged sisters whose reunion is cut short by the rise of flesh-possessing demons thrusting them into a primal battle for survival as they face the most nightmarish version of family imaginable. That was a really long sentence. <laughs> <laughs> but you did it. There's no, no period in there. <laughs> <laughs> um and then in other news so uh we i know that we've talked about it quite a bit because we're super excited so the conjuring the devil made me do it is going to be coming out next weekend on june 4th and please go see it in theaters theaters are having a hard time recovering so please yes. patronize your local theaters go get fresh popcorn buy the popcorn <laughs> um so Discovery Plus announced that they are actually going to be airing their own tie-in special one week later. No, this is not a Zach Bagans documentary. <laughs> uh, so it's actually going to be an episode of Shock Docs. So it's oh. going to be Shock Docs, The Devil Made Me Do It. And it's going to tell the true story of uh, the uh, famous, oh my gosh, I cannot brain today. My brain's completely done. Uh, it's going to tell everything you need to know about the famous case as investigated by ed and lorraine warren that's gonna be amazing i know i'm super i need to excited. know more i know i've like what i've like read stuff and watched a few things but i feel like i'd like to go a little bit deeper in the story so well and i love i i really love the films they're super fun um but obviously they get dramatized for ratings and for for film goers and such but the real cases and stuff are just so fascinating because it's not a movie it really happened right (laughs) amazing 
Mm-hmm. Well, uh, get to know the name Chloe Okuno, uh, up, an up-and-coming filmmaker who is making her way around the horror genre. Um, so she's made uh, an A24 movie. She has, I'm sorry, she has an A24 movie in the works, uh, a Stephen King adaptation, and she just completed a pandemic principal photography on both uh, Bloody Disgusting's VHS 94 and the full-length feature uh, Stranger for Spooky Pictures. So, uh, Okuno is next directing the true crime thriller Rodney and Cheryl for Netflix. Yeah, that stars Anna Kendrick as a woman who selected a real-life serial killer on TV's The Dating Game. I remember hearing about the story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the killer, Rodney um, Alcala, was in the midst of a killing spree in 1978 when he brazenly took part in the show. And then Kendrick will play Cheryl Bradshaw, the contestant. And then also adding on that, they say on the show, Bradshaw asked uh, Alcala questions like, I'm serving you for dinner. What are you called and what do you look like? And Alcala responded to the latter saying, I'm called the banana and I look good. Creepy. (laughs) Can you be a little bit more descriptive? Bradshaw asked Alcala and he said, peel me. (laughs) Creepy. (laughs) And I'm like, oh boy. So this should be fun. (laughs) It's gonna be a whole movie about it. So, and of course it's Netflix. Netflix is also very, very busy. (laughs) Yes, they are. And then also, we have two brand new thrillers on the way from M. Night Shyamalan and Universal. Uh, And the first one coming is titled Old. I don't know if you've seen the trailer. No, I have not. But it's out now. It looks interesting. I I might actually go see this. I'm like, sometimes it's hit or miss for me for um, Shyamalan, but... We'll yeah <laughs> same here but it's uh it's current uh theatrical date is july 23rd and uh so coming to theaters um didn't say anything about any streaming services so that's actually nice maybe it's just gonna come out in theaters so everybody goes <laughs> yes stop trying to get rid of movie theaters yeah so basically old is taking a family to a remote beach that's not quite as relaxing as it initially seems and it turns out it's a paradise of horrors where everyone who steps foot on the beach seems to be aging and even decomposing at alarming rates Ew. yeah and of course it's all part of a much bigger mystery which you know it's kind of his thing (laughs) so old is a blinding edge pictures production it's going to be directed and produced by m night Shyamalan from his screenplay based on the graphic novel sandcastle by pierre oscar levy and frederick peters so yeah groovy (laughs) and moving into shops that we would like to continue to highlight it is new year who dis oh yeah So uh, the shop that I picked is actually one that I met last weekend at the Spooksy Voo Ghouls Day out for World Goth Day last weekend. Um, And this one is Black Heart Handmade. So she does everything from bows to turbans. I actually bought a super groovy, massive spiderweb double knot vintage style turban from her oh nice yeah it's really freaking cool (laughs) um so she does purses turbans bows wraps i mean all kinds of handmade crafty goodies uh she has a shopify but she also has an instagram account that's black underscore heart underscore handmade and she's also doing a giveaway now because she just hit four thousand followers oh nice yeah so definitely go and check her out she's got some great stuff well the one that i just found it's called clay disarray yep they have some really cute stuff they sure do (laughs) a lot of horror stuff so um everything is uh polymer clay art and illustrations from lizzie campbell from the uk and um just a couple of favorites that i've seen probably not one of yours but the the nun (laughs) um frankenstein uh she had a couple of the lost boys and she has many many more um Uh, horror themed ones available on her etsy shop uh she also has a youtube channel where she kind of shows her you know self building all of these um and she's had some really big clients in the past like on john universal music and sony so check her out um available she's you could see her on instagram also on her etsy shop 
And her website, claydisarray.co.uk. Groovy. Well, this week's episode is Book Club. Yes. Yeah. So the book that we read was called The Five, The Untold Lives of the Women Killed by Jack the Ripper. And it came out in 2019. Uh, my mother of all people recommended this book. <laughs> I was really surprised because I didn't think she'd be the type to read kind of story. Well, I mean, it's it wasn't that spooky, but it's a spooky book. <laughs> my mom loves, uh, she's she's a, t- a total true crime murder mystery lady. Okay. Um, although, bonus points if the people that are solving the crimes happen to be gardeners also. There's a British uh, period show that she watches called Rosemary in Time. And it's oh. it's exactly what you would think it is. It's two old women gardeners. <laughs> One's named Rosemary. And I forget what her last name is. And then I forget what the first name is of the other one. But her last name is Time. Uh, and they're two old lady gardeners that go around the UK solving murders. <laughs> this is great. And I'm like, of course, this is like 100% written for my mother uh but yeah this was, it was recommended by my mom uh written by hallie rubenhold she is a best-selling author historian broadcaster and historical consultant for tv and film and fun fact she just completed her phd oh nice good honor because that shit takes between five and eight years <laughs> yeah and only has a 56% completion rate. <laughs> right. So good honor. And it costs a lot of money. It's really mm-hmm. expensive to get your PhD. Um, so this book actually won the Bailey Gifford Prize for Nonfiction. Um, and it is the first full-length biography of Jack the Ripper's victims. So full like transparency, it. no, we're not going to tell you who Jack the Ripper really was. Because nobody fucking knows who Jack the right. Ripper really was. <laughs> Um, but she took a really interesting approach and wanted to really focus on the lives of these women because they were reduced in British tabloids and such in newspapers to just being sex workers. Yep. And that's it. But that's not who they were. Nope. Um, not at, at all. <laughs> as you will find out in this book. Um, so these women and a little bit of brief background so these women were disregarded by society for over 130 130 years um and so many so so much bullshit (laughs) surrounds uh the stories of these women and i know brie's going to talk about it a little bit um and they were just as i mentioned reduced to being nothing but sex workers yeah and also um could we please stop criminalizing sex workers period because um there's no one there's no shame in it two if there wasn't a market for it people wouldn't do it exactly so why don't we just make it legal and regulate it like everything else and make it a safe profession because people are gonna do it anyway i mean vegas has the right idea well, part of Vegas. <laughs> no, it's not legal in Vegas. Oh, it's, it's legal in, in Nevada. Nevada, sorry. But not in the city of Las Vegas. Right. Which is so ironic. I know. <laughs> but yeah, for listeners that maybe didn't know, fun fact, uh, sex work is legal in Nevada, but not in the city of Las Vegas. <laughs> which is Sin City. <laughs> Sin City, not quite. That's funny. Um, well, a couple of other quick books that she published. Um, so in 2005, she published The Covenant, or I'm sorry, The Covent Garden Ladies, oh. uh, which brought to public attention this true story of the Harris list of Covent Garden ladies. Um, and since its publication, her story uh, of this notorious guidebook to Georgian London's sex workers, along with her edited compendium the harris list uh has actually succeeded in capturing the imagination of millions of people uh, and has been the subject of three television programs that is amazing including the hit series harlots which is i need to watch that me too which is on uh, amazon and hulu um and then she also published another book her second book called lady worsley's whim and it's in, in the U.S. It's titled The Lady in Red. Um, but it's about the 18th century's most infamous adultery trial and became BBC Radio 4's Book of the Week in November of 2008. Um, and then in August of 2015, it appeared as the 90-minute drama on the BBC entitled The Scandalous Lady W, uh, which starred Natalie Dormer. 
I love her. Mm, Me too. Yep. She also has published a set of novels taking place during the French Revolution. Um, And then in addition to books and articles and reviews, she regularly appears on TV as an expert contributor to documentaries. Um, Then she also acts as a historical consultant for period dramas. Oh, nice. She's busy. Yeah. I like it. Mm Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, I'll get into a little bit about the... Um, well, I won't say characters, but <laughs> the uh, the ladies of the book. Just and I mean, as you all know, we're I mean, we don't need to do a whole background on Jack the Ripper. Y'all know that we, they died. We all kind of know what happened. <laughs> but what I liked about this book is that we got a little bit more insight to their lives and how I guess they kind of just sort of I guess for me, wrong place, wrong time. <laughs> Um, and, and then of course, you know, London was just not a, uh, not a pretty place. <laughs> no. And you think it's hard. Like, I, I feel like it's hard to be a woman, a woman now. No. Yeah. Back then it Ooh, way was even worse. Harder. Yeah. It just. <laughs> way harder. So it's, you know, it was really interesting to read like how much they were judged. Whereas, you know. You know, guys, they would just get like a slap on the wrist. But then it was like, oh, you, you're out on the streets late. No, they, oh, you're a prostitute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just like, Jesus. Like these ladies definitely had it rough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'll get into the first one. And her name is Polly. So Polly Nichols was a wife of a printer and mother to five. And they were living in a nice uh, tenement building in uh, Stamford Street. Uh, Their building was created by Peabody and Co. to help those who were trying to kind of get away from the slums of the East End. Not a very nice place. (laughs) Not at all. It's like terrible. Um, Everything was going really great for them. But of course, you know, troubles started to hit them. Uh, Her husband started telling everyone she was drinking a lot. And then, you know, Polly thought, you know, her husband was kind of sleeping around on her so everything was falling apart and you know polly just finally said okay i'm out of here i'm over it (laughs) yeah (laughs) i'm done (laughs) i'm leaving all of you uh so with that she was forced to enter the lambeth union workhouse and basically live in the slums not good (laughs) it's so so bad like just the way they described it it I mean, I I haven't been to London or anywhere, so I but I look at I looked at pictures of some of these places, and I mean they look a little bit better now, but back then, man, it was well. There are and when when you're done talking about the oh, ladies, I'll yes. talk a little bit about workhouses. Oh, because, yeah, that too. <laughs> well, because I think everybody, every every human on the face of the planet has watched a version of A Christmas Carol. Yes, we did an episode on it because we read it. Um, and everybody remembers the infamous line from the ghost of Christmas present who reiterates back to, to Scrooge when he's asking about throwing people into workhouses says, are there no prisons? Are there no workhouses? <laughs> They're not, they, they were institutions. Yeah. They were prisons. Yeah, they were disgusting. Basically. <laughs> and I mean, and I feel like they didn't really pay much either. <laughs> Cause even then it, you know, they were still like forced to be out on the streets, but Anyway, but um, but many thought since she was on the street and then always drunk that, you know, she had just become a prostitute. But really, uh, you know, she was in the workforce, you know, at the Lambeth Union and then also a, a charwoman or in other terms, a cleaning lady mm-hmm. <laughs> for a middle class household. But uh, Polly was also still receiving a weekly amount uh, from her husband. But um Sadly, everyone thought she was Lady of Night, so since she was poor, so that's just kind of how it was assumed, how it got to that. So when she died in the the slums of the East End, um, of course, they printed in the paper mm-hmm. <laughs> that a prostitute was killed. So poor Polly, first victim. <laughs> uh, then we have Annie. And Annie was born 
kind of in a uh, into a respectable family. Her father was a soldier in the lifeguards as a cavalry trooper protecting Queen Victoria, which meant she was entitled to a full education and to have like, you know, a roof over her head. Um, but having the start in life, you know, gave her that advantage in finding em- employment. Because if you had a little bit of like the education background, it was a little bit easier to um, find jobs. <laughs> But uh, four of her siblings were taken at an early age within weeks of one another after being struck down with scarlet fever and typhus. Uh, her father would kill himself, causing the family to become uh, practically destitute overnight. So basically putting them on the street. Um, Annie then met her husband, John Chapman, and they pretty much kind of fell into alcoholism together. <laughs> um, really, really sad. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just kind of the thing, like if you're, you know, living in that area and, you know, you get on bad times, like that's some that you, you have a drink. <laughs> I, I read this really great book called What Happened to You? Mm -hmm. by oprah and dr bruce perry and he brings up a very good point that substance abuse is the symptom Mm -hmm. not the problem substance abuse is what people use to self-medicate to escape their trauma Mm -hmm. so and in this country what do we do with people that are traumatized and turn to substances to fix it we throw them in prison yeah (laughs) Yay! Wrong way to deal with it, buddy. (laughs) But well, so they're drinking together. But in turn, um, her drinking became too much, and uh, John got pressured from his employer to kick her out, which I find really funny because he was also being drunk. (laughs) Uh So why aren't we kicking him out too? (laughs) She was just like, oh, well, Annie's drunk, so we're going to get rid of her. Two different sets of rules. (sighs) It sucks. Anyway, Mm -hmm. so he had to kick her out. Uh, Then she, she then moved to the worst street in London, Dorset Street in Whitechapel. And since she drank so much, this left her with no money for a place to stay. Um, And this pretty much left her to sleep on the streets which would kind of open her up to being uh vulnerable and at being the wrong place at the wrong time mm-hmm. and being vulnerable to creepy people watching mm-hmm. your every step yeah <laughs> then we have elizabeth and uh born in sweden i'm going to mess up this name <laughs> um elizabeth gustav daughter daughter you're doing great. <laughs> Daughter's family uh, were farmers in Torslanda, and she was uh, very used to the agricultural life. Um, so she was kind of already used to like just working. Um, when Elizabeth moved to Gothenburg to work as a servant for a middle cl- for middle class families, uh, something happened to kind of change her that changed her life completely. Um, though it's not like mentioned exactly what what happened but it caused her to lose her job and a child um then elizabeth was put on a police register for women who were prostitutes so bad i don't know why there's this list um during her time in gothenburg things you know kind of continued to spiral out of control Uh, for her until uh, one of the families she was working for offered to take her in and so seeing this as an opportunity to start over you know elizabeth definitely jumped at the chance to to do that uh when she reached england she met john stride and unfortunately their plans of running their own business did not succeed and then elizabeth once again found her life kind of going downhill and then this of course um had elizabeth move to flower uh, and Dean Street in the wonderful Whitechapel. <laughs> I say wonderful, not in really a good way. And uh, and this is basically where she found her demise. <laughs> uh, then we have Kate, or Catherine, as she was known. Um, she was only nine months when she traveled by barge with her family from uh, Wolverhampton, Uh, Her father, George, worked in the tin trade, but had actively got involved with the trade union and was a part of a strike that got him two months in prison. Uh, After this, the family moved to London. And even though her father may, 
you know, have like tarnished her name just a little bit with what happened with the uh, with the strike. Uh, Kate was still able to receive um, a pretty good education. Uh, she was doing really well in school to prepare for her domestic role. <laughs> but her mother fell ill from consumption. Then her father died shortly after that. Uh, so definitely you know, having hard times after that. Uh, Kate returned to Wolverhampton to live with her aunt. And over time, Kate, you know, started becoming like reckless and she started stealing, just, you know, doing things that she wouldn't normally do. And uh, she was never arrested, but she did lose her job for that. Uh, (laughs) So um, she meets and becomes the common wife uh, law common law wife sorry (laughs) of thomas conway who was a peddler um he would sell books um but in three years their luck went way downhill you know thomas was struggling just to sell anything and then they also hit a bad spot when they lost their daughter due to maltrition because you know they couldn't feed her properly because they didn't have money it's really sad Uh (laughs) um and then with all of this it you know, just kind of split them apart. So, you know, they split and then Kate and her children enrolled into a workhouse. It's so sad. Mm-hmm. I'm like, <laughs> some of these stories, I'm like, I wanted to cry for them. It's so yeah. terrible. Fucking rough, man. I know. I, ca- I can't even imagine. <laughs> like, it's just, ugh. this, I mean, this whole book like really painted a picture, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, Thomas would kind of come back and forth to see her, but then, you know, he would beat her and then, leave again <laughs> so she's definitely she was definitely had a little a very rough life in the end um and this led kate to start drinking and you know she's in Whitechapel with no money for lodging and this you know kind of finally leads to her death because you know in the night in question she didn't have enough money for lodging and found herself in mitra square and where she died uh, then we have Mary Jane, Mary Jane Kelly. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, she was the only victim actually known as a prostitute. Like she was okay with that. <laughs> um, but you know, sadly, no one really knows like s- too much about her. Um, she might have been Irish or Welsh. Um, each story she told could have been, you know, kind of fabricated or maybe had a little bit of the truth in it, but no one like really knows for sure about hey, her. If I'm a sex worker, I don't want people to know where I live. Exactly. That's what I thought. I'm like, it's good. Keep people them, are crazy. Keep them guessing. Yeah. <laughs> no one needs to know anything. No. <laughs> think, do you think that strippers use their real names? God, I hope nope. not. No. <laughs> don't, don't find me on Facebook. <laughs> Don't follow me home. No, thank you. I no. don't want a relationship with you. No. You can look. You can give me dollars. You cannot touch. We cannot be friends. Thanks. Have a nice day. Yeah. Goodbye. Yes. These are the rules. Please abide by them. Yeah. She was smart. Yes. She was smart. Mm-hmm. But uh, some believe that she came from a wealthy family since she kind of like appeared to have some education. And she was also a great artist. Uh, she, Mary Jane worked for, uh, worked more as a high end lady of the night. Uh, she would make sure that her madam would only book customers who were of a notable stature. Mm-hmm. Smart. Mm-hmm. Get all the money. Yep. <laughs> but Mary Jane uh, definitely uh, wanted to escape London. I mean, I would too. And she wanted to make a more lucrative uh, living in Paris. But she found herself wandering the streets around Ratliff Highway, not really making much. Um, and it doesn't seem like her madam was really helping her either. <laughs> um, that's why she probably should have just did it herself all along. <laughs> but... Uh, Mary Jane didn't have a shortage of admirers. Some have even alluded that she had many female admirers. And she liked to draw them a lot too, which is really cool. Um, But she was the only victim of Jack the Ripper to be killed in her own bed. Um, Like the others, she ended up on Dorset Street to retire for the night in Whitechapel. Um, But unlike the others, she, you know, she definitely kind of had a place to go. But I thought it was interesting. She had this like grand, like, funeral (laughs) like she was on a horse and everything Mm -hmm. and everybody kind of thought like she was kind of like the hero of Whitechapel, which i thought was kind of cool like i liked it yeah i i think that was like i mean i know she was the last victim but it was 
nice to like have it end that way like let's kind of like because celebrate friends, her there's no shame in sex work exactly there's not <laughs> stop criminalizing sex workers please yeah it is the oldest profession it's in the bible i know right? <laughs> like <laughs> if it's in the bible then it can't be that bad right jesus loved the ladies of the <laughs> night mary magdalene was his bestie <laughs> uh but i like how her friend was just like no we're gonna celebrate her and we're gonna have this huge uh ceremony for her huge funeral got with the horse a horse-drawn carriage like everything mm-hmm. <laughs> so and those are the victims of jack the ripper but I, I really like how she went into full detail about their lives like just yes. to get a full background of you know what like you know where where their families came from you know where they moved back and forth what was going on in like you know the workhouses and things like that like it like i said before it really painted helped paint a picture absolutely and so let's talk about workhouses because oh everybody <laughs> yeah because there's this whole glamorous thought of well you know it's like it's a homeless shelter and you work and blah blah like no <laughs> so <laughs> workhouses actually can be traced back to the poor law act of 1388 and the reason for their development was because after the black death came through and wiped out what a third of europe was it a third of europe it was at mm-hmm. least a third of europe um there were obviously what happens when all the people that work die there's a labor shortage yep um so the movement of workers to other parishes in search of higher paid work became restricted so the uh, england enacted laws to deal with vagrancy and to prevent social disorder but in reality the laws actually increased the involvement of the state in its responsibility to the poor so by the 16th century all these laws started to become a little more distinct and started to delineate those who were genuinely unemployed and those who had no intention of working Um, and then by 1576 law stipulated in the poor relief act that if a person was able and willing they needed to work in order to receive financial support so fast forward a few more years to 1601 there's further legal framework that would make parishes responsible for enacting poor relief within their specific geographic boundaries because remember people aren't allowed to travel to various areas to find higher paid work so by 1776 a government survey was conducted on workhouses finding that around 1800 institutions existed 1800 gosh and their capacity was around 90,000 oh my god (laughs) yep um so fast forward a little more by the 1830s a majority of these parishes had at least one workhouse which would operate with prison-like conditions this is like the true horror of this podcast um so Surviving in such places was really dangerous because mortality rates were ridiculously high because you had infectious disease like smallpox and measles that spread because what happens when you have one infected person in a very confined closed quarter space with lots and lots of other people. Um, Conditions were ridiculously cramped. Uh, Beds were squashed together. There was hardly any room to move and very little light. Um, When people were not in their sleeping corners, they were expected to work. They were actually referred to as inmates um a factory style production line used children that was both unsafe and in the age of industrialization focused on profit rather than solving issues of pauperism so translation (laughs) they cut corners yeah of course um and then and mind you like all of this is under the guise of we're providing relief to the poor and the destitute no you are enslaving people yep forcing them into this is why you have labor laws now that protect you um 
So in 18, by 1834, cost of providing poor relief looked set to destroy the system designed to deal with the issue. And in response to this, the Poor Law Amendment Act was introduced, commonly referred to as the New Poor Law. Mm-hmm. And the consensus at the time was that the system of relief was being abused and that a new approach had to be adopted because, yes, people love to be enslaved and forced into unsafe working dish- conditions and in- uninhabited places okay (laughs) um so then there was in 1834 this law formally established the victorian workhouse system which has become synonymous with the area so as much as people love queen victoria some really awful shit happened on her watch yep um so this system actually contributed to the splitting up of families so people were forced to sell what little belongings they had and hope that they could somehow survive this system under this new system of specifically poor law unions workhouses were run by guardians i use that term with quotes um, who were often local businessmen who uh, were merciless administrators who sought profit and delighted in the destitution of others so when you're thinking of uh like oliver twist and um christmas carol charles dickens was a really uh vocal critic of the victorian workhouse system um and he wasn't overly exaggerating this stuff was disgusting um so parishes kind of varied and there were some in the north of england where quote-unquote guardians were said to have adopted a more charitable approach um but inmates around the country were just thrown to the wolves um so this is the really sad part so when families went in children were separated from their parents huh feel like feel like the united states is still kind of doing that yeah right um so once an individual entered the workhouse they would actually be given a uniform that was worn for the entirety of their stay one uniform um they were prohibited from talking to one another and were expected to work long hours doing all sorts of manual labor like cleaning cooking and using machinery so more and more people started to revolt yes the peasants revolted and in 1929 new legislation was introduced that allowed local authorities to take over workhouses as hospitals and the following year workhouses were officially closed although the volume of people caught up in the system with no other place to go and that meant that it would be several years before the system was completely dismantled um but fast forward 20-ish years to 1948 uh with the introduction of the national assistance act that is when the remnants of the poor laws act were eradicated along with the workhouse institution officially so this actually happened here during uh reaganomics because you know the wonderful beloved ronald reagan decided to close my school which is now now college cal state channel islands right uh used to be and we did an episode on it used to be an institution for uh the mentally ill so what happened when you close that all those people had to go somewhere (laughs) some of them went to other places some of them were just released yeah people fall through the cracks you never really deal with it (laughs) so yeah that's uh that's the horror of the workhouse system so when people talk about well why didn't these women just go to workhouses because you have to remember women in victorian england were not educated they were not and i'm when i say educated i don't mean they made it to they made it through high school or they got their ged and that was it they weren't allowed to go to college i mean they weren't even taught how to read and write like basic basic if you were born to a lower class family you were not even taught how to read and write um if you if you were divorced that you were completely immoral you were not allowed to remarry if you lived with another man and were common law spouses all of your children were immediately deemed illegitimate i mean it's freaking terrible it was really difficult to be a woman a lower class woman in yeah. Victorian England. It was just terrible. <laughs> like the way they treated them. Mm-hmm. Like most of the time I was just like so sad for them and very, I mean, I mean, I'm not saying that it's much better today, but. Um, oh, it's way better today. Yeah. Well, I mean, but like, as far as like how women are, are treated um, just in general, I mean, sorry, <laughs> but I mean, but like how they had it back. That was just like, geez, like, you know, I'm I, very happy to be alive 
now <laughs> than back then. Oh, absolutely. For I sure. Mean, think, I think about it. You and I in the United States are obligated to at least make it through secondary school, mm-hmm. at least make it through high school. Uh, you, the government obviously doesn't pay for you to go to college. You can file FAFSA paperwork to try to have them subsidize some of it. Um, but you're at least guaranteed a K through 12 education. These women were, were not even given the yeah. opportunity to learn how to read and write. Um, we have so many more. Yes, women are still not paid what right. they are. I think we're at like 83 cents on the dollar to what men make for the same work, which is not good. But it's better than being forced into essentially a labor camp. Right. <laughs> um, it's way better than it was. Yeah. We still have a long way to go. Yeah. But it's way better. Yeah. That's why I meant like before. <laughs> but I mean, definitely, I'm just very happy to be alive in this era, even though <laughs> it still sucks. <laughs> well, whenever, I mean, if we could just keep states out of the rights of our of our lady parts then right that would be different <laughs> exactly I'm looking at you pennsylvania with your application for a death certificate <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> oh jeez. looking at you pennsylvania oh boy <laughs> well so what uh what was your favorite part of the book i don't know <laughs> i think it's a hard question <laughs> it's a hard question because I, I just liked, I liked and appreciated that all of these women actually now have a voice. Yeah, I would um, say that's the same for me. I appreciate that there is somebody that actually has taken the time to, to, to go through the research. And when Hallie Rubenhold was writing this, and, and one of the things that she says is she went by actual documentation and there were a lot of eyewitness accounts that mm-hmm. she threw out because they were found to be um, unreliable. Yeah. Um, and she actually put a lot of thought and research into it. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you. I, I definitely love the fact that she just, you know, kind of created this like whole um, narrative of their lives so that we can find out more about them and, you know, what happened to them and what kind of, you know, ultimately led them into, you know, a really bad area. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I'm I'm glad that she gave them a voice. And also, like, it, I, I feel like their lives were just, like, a little bit more, like, celebrated than maybe it was back then. Not, like, not trying to say, oh, they were just prostitutes and that's why they died. Like, I'm glad that this book was written so that you know, we can see it through their eyes and see how London was back then, like the real, you know, nitty gritty of what was going on. Um, Cause I didn't really know all that much. Um, I mean, I knew it was, you know, like kind of a poor area, but like all I knew was that Jack the Ripper was just killing prostitutes. Yep. That's all anybody knows. Yep. And, and everyone is so wrapped up and yeah. well, who's Jack the Ripper? Like who fucking cares? He was a creep. He was a murderer. Yeah. Stop glorifying the murderers. Right. And let's talk about the victims. Exactly. Because these were, these were women with hopes and dreams. These were women with families and mm-hmm. children. These were women who were victims of their circumstance. Exactly. Um, whereas there's so much, and we obviously in the United States have a poverty issue. We have a, and we have an income gap issue between people, people of different color. Um, we have a lot of problems, but there are more resources available. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. Than there were to women back then. Yeah. And definitely should be taking advantage of those. Yes. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> what was your least favorite part of the book? Um, I don't, uh, I mean, I honestly don't know if I have a least favorite. I, I, I would say I, overall, I really liked everything about each section about each woman. Um, I don't know. I think, hmm. yeah, I guess I don't really have a least favorite. I'm like overall kind of like enjoyed the way that she told the stories and, you know, made all the inf- information interesting uh what about you 
Um, I think, was it Polly's husband? Pa- was Polly's husband the one that left her and, like, fucking moved to Australia? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that <laughs> douchebag. That was pretty bad. <laughs> I'm like, it just up and moved. Didn't say a word. Just yeah. left. Just left. Yeah. Well, and, I'm, and I'll add to, like, another favorite part. Like, you know, I like how she didn't, like, she kind of boosted up the women. Like, you know, even though the guys were kind of more boosted in that you know in that era in the society and i'm glad like she kind of like made them look like the low of the low and then bring bringing them up um so i can definitely say that i like that she did that yeah yeah i did not like uh learning about polly's deadbeat husband that just freaking bailed on her and went to australia no and and married somebody else yeah like Men, men can do whatever they want. Yep. <laughs> men can remarry and do whatever they want. But mm-hmm. no, because Polly is divorced, that basically is just as bad as being an adulteress. Yeah. Like, oh, no, that, that made me upset. <laughs> well, also like Thomas Conway, <laughs> oh, <laughs> Kate's husband. Yes. <laughs> just beating her like, you know, you know, your, your daughter just died and then you're just going to come back and forth and, and just beat her up. I, was, I felt I mean, I felt terrible for all of them, but Mm -hmm. I mean, that story, like, that definitely just killed me. Yes. (laughs) For sure. Uh, How did you like uh, Miss Rubenhold's writing? I really liked her writing. So, I like, at first I thought, like, it was going to take me a while to get into it, Mm -hmm. but, like, I felt like she really, like, kept kept you engaged in each of their stories i mean because it was it's definitely a lot of information Mm -hmm. to take in (laughs) um and but i i don't know i just found it not like um most history books where like it's just you know the information just written on the page correct like i i really felt like with all of the research and everything that she did like she really really you know, would grab those stories that would really engage the reader to learn more about um, each of these victims. Yeah, I like that she doesn't use a lot of flowery language. Yeah. She's very, you can tell that she just did a PhD. Because <laughs> yes. it's like very, <laughs> it's very fact driven. Yeah. Uh, it's unemotional. It's, it's very direct mm-hmm. language. It's not overly flowery of this and this and the trees were blowing from the northwest <laughs> wind and gl- shimmering with the dew of the morning it's it's not like that it's no this bitch had to sleep out here which looked like xyz with vomit on the street and people throwing their feces out into it like it's very direct <laughs> yeah um which i really like and appreciate in an mm-hmm. author yes for sure would you ever reread it? Um, I, I wouldn't say that I would reread this, but it does kind of uh, make me want to read another one of her books. I agree. I will say that. Um, just how well this one was written and, like I said, just kind of kept me interested. I'm very interested to read the other books that she's written, and yes. especially now with her little PhD. Yes. <laughs> she knows what she's talking about. Yes. <laughs> um, but, I mean, I definitely would recommend this one for everybody to read it. Um, and, uh, but I mean, I, I think maybe eventually somewhere down the road, I'd probably reread it, but I, I mean, definitely not anytime soon for sure. <laughs> it's hard for me to reread stuff. I yeah. mean, sometimes if like, if I've read it a long time ago yeah. and we do a book club on it, then I'll reread it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's hard for me to reread stuff because yeah. there's just so much stuff out there. Yeah. Um, I've got so many books on my bookshelf that I need Dude. to read too. <laughs> Same. So I, I, I can definitely agree with you on that. Yeah. But I mean, like, like you said, like if it's somewhere like way, way down the road, I might read it again if I want to dive back into the deep, dark world of <laughs> Victorian London. <laughs> what a mess. Yeah. What a mess. Uh, what surprised you most about reading it? You know, there's a, a part in the book that it, it kind of surprised me, like that it was just interesting that she put in there. Um, it was the uh, the part at the end uh, titled A Life in Objects. Yes. Where it, 
she goes through and, and says everything that they've kind of had on them. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really interesting. I liked that But part. I really liked it. Yeah. Because it, I felt like it definitely made you learn even a little bit more about them. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was really cool because I don't, I've never like seen that done before. Mm-mm. So that was really interesting. I feel like that'd be cool if they did another kind of, um, you know, murder mystery book like this, where, you know, they talk about the victims and they kind of do that. I think that'd be really interesting, but that, that definitely surprised me. I didn't, you know, see that, like, I'm glad she didn't do that within their chapters. I'm kind of glad that was at the end. Yeah. It was really cool. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, what rating do you give it? Are we doing uh, out of five? Yeah. Okay. You know what? I, for me, I, I definitely give it a four. I give I, it, a th- I give it a solid three and a half. Okay. Yeah. Like I said, I, I normally don't like go for many, like kind of like historical, you know, type books. Nonfiction. Nonfiction. Sorry. <laughs> Nonfiction. <laughs> um, especially like if I somewhat know the story but like with this one uh it, it definitely uh got my attention especially when your mom mentioned <laughs> recommended it um and I really enjoyed the way that like I said she just really brought us into that world and what it was really like for those women um so yeah like for me it was a four I really really liked it yeah it was really well done I think everybody should read it yes stop uh stop watching what was that movie with Johnny Depp and Heather Graham from hell? Oh yeah. Stop watching that. <laughs> I'm so bad because that was on like maybe a couple weeks ago and I watched it <laughs> knowing that I'm reading this book <laughs> straight out of 1999. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> it wasn't like it wasn't from hell. No, uh, I think everybody should give this a read. I struggle with um, a lot of true crime podcasts and such because mm-hmm. I feel as though a lot of them focus on the murderer right, and not on the victims. But, you know, that's actually what I really, really liked about the Night Stalker documentary on Netflix. Yes. They did not make it about Richard Ramirez. Which I really liked, too. Yes. They made it about the case. They made it about the evidence. They made it about the victims Mm -hmm. or the survivors. Yeah. um, Of which there was the one woman right um well and and the there were i think there was another woman whose husband was killed but she survived mm-hmm. um but i like that they made it more about the victims and what they experienced right um and they made it more about how the case unfolded not about him i don't care i know he got dropped on his head right i know he was a fucking weirdo like get it there's way too many documentaries on him or well just in general way too many documentaries about the killers and like you said they don't i mean they mention the victims but they don't focus on you know their lives and you know where they were and that like i said that's why i really liked this book and if there's others like that or her other books are like that i would definitely read them for sure i agree well that is our book club review of the five the untold stories of the women victims of the women killed by jack the ripper that's the full title yes (laughs) um definitely give it a read it is a good one um learn all about these gals and learn that they were real people exactly not just sex workers exactly and they were more than that but on top of that stop criminalizing sex workers yes please they're just trying to make a paycheck yep they make a good one too right <laughs> who's that i'm just saying <laughs> i'll never forget that headline as long as i live about the dominatrix in new york who charges men 150 dollars an hour to come and clean her house <laughs> like i like girl i know good job freaking goals <laughs> i wish i could be that mean to do that you you know i used to think that you had to be mean i more i think about it you got to be compassionate because okay. you have to know how far to push people. Okay. And you have to be able to read people and mm-hmm. realize, like, when too far is too it's, far. Right. Okay. <laughs> the more I think about it, I'm like, yeah, you got to have some kind of restraint. Like, there's an art to it. There's yeah. an art to, you can't just beat people up all day. You got to. Right. You got to be able to read the room. I I, I really, like, <laughs> bow down to those women. <laughs> 
it's like, hard. Yeah, because it's it's not an easy job, but they do it so well. Yeah, they do. <laughs> and I wish I could do it, but I can't. <laughs> I always so. loved uh, taking road trips with my family, and we always go the same way through the Nevada desert and the bunny ranch that was on the way. Oh, yeah, Pahrump, or not Pahrump, I'm sorry. It's I think it's outside of Tonopah. Yeah. Uh, but every year they would get something different. On the front of it, like one year they got a new coat of paint, one year they upgraded the trim, another year they got an electric sign, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, the girls are moving I know, on. they're Get making it, sister. all kinds of money. Get it, sister. But you know what? They're able to do it safely. Mm-hmm. It is regulated. They are tested. They have to follow health code. They yep. ha- it has to be safe sex. Lots and lots of rules. Yes. Like, they, they're, you have to change the sheets and clean the room after every single person comes in. Like, huh. Concept. Regulate it. Make it safe. Who knew? Who knew that would work? Hey, look, they legalized marijuana in California, and guess what? We haven't died yet. (laughs) And it's taxed ridiculously. Yeah. One day, though, they'll get the picture. Right? (laughs) All right. that, That does it for us. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to uh, rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts, and like and subscribe. And also, don't forget, if you have any suggestions, please email us at thesquadghouls uh, at gmail.com. And also visit our website, thesquadghouls.com. Yeah. Um, like us on Facebook. We said that, right? Yep. Okay. We're, we're, we're good. We're real. <laughs> we'll scare you later. Bye. Bye.